With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome back to Blue by 90. I'm Justin, joined by Jack and Kaylin as always. And we've got... A special guest on the pod today, uh, before the NFL draft coming up, he's doing a lot of work per, for uh, Pro Football Focus, Austin Gale. We appreciate you coming on, man. How are you doing? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's just – it's chaos right now with the, with the draft, um, and you guys are all about it over there at PFF. And so you guys put out a ton of good content. But what's your life like right now trying to just gear up for the draft? I think a lot of it is putting together your kind of final evaluations on players. You know, PFF is, you know, for, from a content perspective, has leaned so much into player evaluation, both at the NFL and college level. So it's watching a lot of tape, rewatching tape, evaluating how like tape grades versus production grades. And then you're looking at like interviews and stuff. I think a lot of it's just like trying to have some of that final approach on the draft as we go in. And then it's planning, you know, a lot of our draft content, right? It's planning our, how we're going to approach the three days of the draft. What are we going to do immediately after? What does the week after the draft look like? It's a lot of that stuff. So, um, you know, in my role at PFF, I'm the content director. So it's less so controlling the content I create and more, you know, putting people in a position to succeed with other content, podcasts, video, obviously article content, social content, et cetera. So it's a bit of a hectic week, especially because it all happens at the same time. But I would also say it's like less hectic than free agency. Free agency is more hectic because you don't know when people are going to sign, you know, where they're going to go with the draft. At least it's like, hey, from 7 to 12, 32 players are going to 32 different teams. It's, it's you know, a little bit more rhythmic in that sense, but still a lot of work. Do you put out your own uh, like draft, mock draft thing? 
Yeah, I do some mock drafts. I, I have a big board out, like top 32. But our lead draft analyst, Mike Renner, handles like a bulk majority of the big board process. We kind of pivoted to him leading that charge as like the final say on the draft board, whereas like we have more input and all that stuff. So, you know, I'll often tell Mike, like, I think we should be higher on this guy, lower on this other person. And he ultimately has kind of like that final say as the GM, the GM in this sense. Who do you have going to the Lions? I like either Trayvon Walker or Aiden Hutchinson to the Lions. I do think that they're going to lock into edge. It's a, it's not, it's rare that a team picking that high doesn't have an obvious need at tackle. And that's why I don't think they're going to assume, you know, take on Ikea Kwanu, Evan Neal, Charles Cross. And it's more, you know, take, you know, one of the best edge players available. That could be Thibodeau. That could be Walker. That could be Hutchinson. If, you know, the Jags pass on Hutchinson at one, I think it's going to be one of those three guys. I love it. Now, working for PFF, I'm curious, like, do you have like a dog in the fight? Do you have like a home team and you're like trying to do, you know, your job, but also kind of like, yes, under the table? That's funny. A lot of people ask me that. And I think, you know, working at PFF, I'd be lying to you if I said like some of that hasn't been lost. I did grow up in Oakland, Oakland, California, and I had season tickets to my dad for about 10 years. And I was a big Raiders fan. Like everyone who covers this sport was at one point or another, like a diehard fan. I think I've lost a lot of that in college and lost a little bit of that working at PFF for the last five years, because it's just, I do think that, you know, there could be bigger conversations about like fanaticism, right. And being like a fanatic of a team can like lead to a lot more subjective process and all that kind of stuff. And I also think in general, like the NFL has marketed like win, loser, tie Raider fans till I die, get tattoos of the shield <laughs> on your neck, like to a point where it's a little bit sickening. <laughs> but I, I do think that like, I'm obviously still like super supportive of the Raiders. I'm super supportive of that, you know, Oakland in general and a lot like the Golden State Warriors, Oakland A's and that stuff. And it's more, I think it's lost. What's been lost on me is like, just like that blinded fandom, right? Like no matter what. And I think it can, it's what can lead to like a lot of jaded analysis, right? Like you'll send out, you know, a tweet about Derek Carr and someone's like, you just hate the Raiders. You're going to like, you don't even know the half of it, man. I've been a big Raiders fan. I have a Derek Carr jersey in the closet. Like, I'm, <laughs> like it's not about that. It's so much more about trying to remain objective. And also like, I think being an objective fan is not is like an oxymoron you know like a fan you're a fan because you want them to win like you're like right. that's and like sometimes you tuck yourself into why the decisions are make sense and all that kind of stuff i think uh my first favorite nfl team was the oakland raiders i remember rich gannon was quarterback and Let's he was go. like my favorite player i don't even know why but i remember my first favorite team was actually the oakland raiders before it was the lions and maybe that's because the lions have just always been bad i don't know <laughs> That's fair. I mean, Oakland, it's, it's, they, it's a weird fan to pick, you know, I don't know anyone who's ever picked the Raiders without living in Oakland because it's it's a terrible franchise, but uh, I respect it. Well, you know, talking about the NFL draft, obviously one of the high picks that is, is projected is Aiden Hutchinson. We were able to watch him at Michigan for, you know, the last four years or whatever. And just this last year itself was enough for any Michigan fan to love him. Um, But you got to know him very well over the past uh what couple months probably um so pff if you go on their podcast uh network they've got hutch the story of aiden hutchinson austin uh and dave Sofaro were the the brains behind it so tell us about just i mean he to any michigan fan out there it's like almost erect a statue outside the stadium for him at this point (laughs) when you beat uh ohio state you're you know you have your three sacks you win the big 10 title all that stuff but what is it like to get to know Aiden behind the scenes? It was a lot of fun, to be honest. It's a huge shout out to David Sofar, our director of communications, for like setting it up. He was a graduate of Michigan. And you know, Aiden going into the process to be as transparent as possible, you know, he was our number one player on the draft board. 
He graded out the best of any player in college football. And then his agency is someone we've worked with a little bit in the past, but we had a good relationship with going in. And then you kind of combine the ties that Dave has with Michigan. We have with the agency and obviously Aiden already being like a really successful player, like PFF system. It just felt like everything aligned. Right. And then we had him on my podcast, I think like halfway through the season and him and I like, like hit it, not hit it off. sounds a little weird, but like we had like a good conversation and it made your best friends. <laughs> We're best friends. So then it all just like kept stacking up. So like, why don't we do something cool? Like, why don't we do something sick? And, you know, initially it was, you know, should we do like a long form interview in Ann Arbor? Should we do, you know, let's just do something beyond like a zoom. You no, know, that's kind of where a lot of the conversations start. And then it's yeah. like, he's really interested in podcasting. He like idolizes, not idolizes, but like appreciates what Chris Long does and what, you know, the Bustin' with the boys podcast does. It's like, dude, let's like swing that bat, you know, might as well. You know, I'm, I'm interested in doing it. And so they ended up kind of like developing into, you know, this four part podcast series on him and his upbringing. I think his dad is a fascinating human being who was a Michigan star and then went on to the NFL, didn't pan out. So he went to become an ER doctor, like just an absurd individual. His mom is like former model turned photographer. His sister is a photographer. His sister's a doctor. It's just an insane family. And obviously, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's crazy to see just how consistent they are across the board in terms of support for each other and, you know, how much they like prioritize success and all that kind of stuff. So it's been interesting. It's been a lot of fun. And I think it's really the makings of like a number one overall overall personality and like a number one overall type of like human being that like really wants to be successful. And you know, I think in the interview process, whether you do a podcast with someone or sit down with them for two hours, thinking if you'll draft them, I don't think you come out of those interviews saying, Oh my gosh, that guy's going to be a hall of famer, right? With any player, like an interview doesn't make you a hall of famer. You need the athletic testing. You need the production, you need the technique, but I do think you can come out of the interview process and say, okay, that guy's got traits that will last, right? Traits that will last in the NFL. And I think with Aiden, you know, maybe he'll never be like a Miles Garrett at its peak or a Khalil Mack or a Von Miller guys that have like really like redefined the position. But I'll tell you what he will be is he'll be around for a while because he's got a really insane work ethic and a high end character, great measurables, great production. Like there's a lot to really like about his floor in the NFL. Um, in addition to his ceiling, right? Six, seven, one, three cone is like hundredth percentile of the position. Like he's six foot seven, two sixty. Like there's not a lot of concerns outside of you know, you'd like to see him have a little bit more bend around the corner, some ankle flexion there, some of the Bosa's. His arm length is like sub 10 percentile. That's going to show up a little bit. But I think outside of that stuff, there's like very limited concerns with his NFL profile. And I think that's ultimately what you know will draw teams to, especially in a class where there isn't a lot of blue chip talent. Right. Like there's not my opinion. The the gap between Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, George Karloftis, Trayvon Walker is minimal because like all of them are really really exciting edge prospects none of them are miles garrett none of them are you know some of these guys that are like can't miss number one overall players i mean you compare it to last year's class are you taking aiden hutchinson Trayvon walker any of these edge types over any of the quarterbacks zach wilson justin fields trevor lawrence are you taking them over jamar chase jalen waddle Devonte smith there's a lot of really high-end talent from this last year's class for this one it's a lot of really exciting talent and i think aiden hutchinson's atop that list but it's not like a massive gap or in this can't miss situation what was the coolest thing? Like, I mean, obviously, you had, so you had four episodes with uh, with Hutch, and did you mm -hmm. do you guys record those all at once, or did you kind of try to we break did. them up a little bit? Okay, mm -hmm. what was the, the coolest uh, thing? Yeah, the coolest thing was definitely. I think the consistency and something I brought it to his family too. It's like I could talk to his sister for an hour and a half, or his like 
line, you know, former teammate at Michigan, they all just say the same things about him. And I think that's rare. It's rare to hear Jim Harbaugh say the same things that his mom says. And his mom said the same thing as Don Brown said. And Julius Welshoffer, Juice is his roommate. And he's like, Ju- Juice is the same. He's like, dude, he's insanely, you know, he's like, he found out one day that gluten couldn't, you know, inhibit his gains and he stopped eating gluten. Like the guy's just like a weird, like just not weird, but like he's just obsessed, obsessed with success. And I think there's also like a lack of satisfaction with him like it's not he's not satisfied in being really good he's not satisfied in even like being in the Heisman conversation like he wants to win the Heisman he wants to beat Ohio State you know they changed the name of the nine on seven drill to the beat Ohio State drill because Aiden Hutchinson said that's what we should do and like it's it's he's just a different human being in terms of like he thinks he can accomplish anything and when he sets his mind to it he obviously does like that's been and a lot of people were like oh he's a one-year wonder you know we didn't see anything in 2021 he got hurt in 2020 and then if you go back in 2019 I mean it was a defensive line that had like other NFL caliber edges and Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich and Don Brown asked him to add 15 pounds. He plays on the inside and he's one of the few interior defenders that like actually beats up on Tristan Worse and a bunch of other prospects as well. So I don't even think it's a one-year wonder. He said he was going into 2020 looking to wreak some havoc. You get the big 10 cancels the season, brings it back. And, and obviously he breaks his leg or breaks his ankle in Indiana. So I, I do think that he's such a polished human being has such a polished approach to like how he handles things that Harbaugh has told me, He's going to handle money well. He's going to handle fame well because, like, it's just it's just in his nature to like just do whatever it takes to win. And um, we saw that this past season. Are you a hundred percent sure that his family is not just like robots, like no engineered and like? To be honest, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. (laughs) They're just too perfect and too smart. They are. They are really. They are really, really perfect. And they. I also think it's like they're also like they're also like aware of that. Like they're not, they're not like they're they're confident, but also like humble in a way. Like they understand that they've like really been successful, and like you know, his dad mentions that. Like he has to be hyper aware of that kind of stuff, and they're super appreciative of a lot of the support that they've had. Like I don't think they're unaware that his dad's a doctor, his mom's a photographer, his sisters. Yeah, he does, they're not unaware of that kind of success, but I yeah. think they've a lot of it is earned, though. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson does not do what he did at Michigan if he's not working his ass off, and I think it's exactly what he did. Yeah. I think it was a cool way that you guys did the podcast too, where it wasn't just Aiden talking for four hours, right? Mm-hmm. It was, you got, a, a, you know, the opinions and the perspective of his high school coaches, mom, dad, sister, yeah. you know, et cetera. It, the list goes on and on and you split it all up, right. You know, right one after another so that you could kind of follow along. So I really like that part, but you know, as we're talking about Aiden's personality and how he is as a person, when, they are interviewing with NFL teams and GMs. You know, they talk about all those weird questions and the hard questions that they have to go, have to go through. What percentage of that type of stuff are, is are these GMs looking at versus just athletic ability? A lot more than people think. You know, when I, I've been in the combine now, I think three or four years. I didn't go obviously in 2020 when it was canceled, but you know, when I talk to evaluators there, like you're able to hang out with these guys at bars and stuff, and like you talk to a scout that's been doing it for 10 years, and you're like, you know, what what's the point of anyone being here? And everyone says it's to talk to them. Like you have, like you have to talk to these guys. Like, and again, it's not because you need to find out. Oh, one conversation or two conversations, he's now a first round pick. He's a top 10 pick. It's no like we need to make sure that this guy has a lot of the traits that like lead to lasting in the NFL because like it's it's just like very difficult to be a long-term NFL player from a work ethic mindset standpoint like you have to like sacrifice a lot and I think they're crazy exactly you have to be in in addition to being like a one 
0.05% athlete. You have to be like a 0.05% human being. And some people, you know, have enough athleticism and enough like natural talents, like overcome some of those things, but they quickly, quickly identify the type of human beings that can enter a locker room and have a lot of long-term success and like handle a lot of the adversity. Like, there's so much adversity even when you get into the NFL. You get, you get drafted by this, you know, this defense, and defense coordinator has you playing X scheme. He gets fired the next week. I mean, next year. Like now you're in a different defense. And can you handle that? Like it, it's so much more than you know, when people put, you know, the media puts together a draft board and they're like, Yeah, I like this edge player, then this edge player. Teams don't look at it so much like that. They're like, hey, like. I don't even have this guy on my board, you know, because I know I can't bring him into this locker room and he's not going to fit this scheme and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's just not a fit. He fought this guy. That's our other edge last year. (laughs) (laughs) So I I do think that the interview process is a lot more important than people think. And it's not, it's not so much like the media interview process, right? I'm like, who are your favorite players in the NFL? Like I'm trying to get like content out of (laughs) people and all that stuff. They're asking like, how'd you respond to this situation? You know, your coach tells me you do this, you know, you're asking like legitimate questions. And like, there's a lot of that stuff too, right. With certain prospects where you know, look at like Malik Willis, for example, you know, why'd you transfer away from Auburn? You know, what is, where, you know, and then you ask the coaches at Auburn, like, why did you let him transfer? <laughs> like, why weren't you playing him early over bowl next? And like, those are questions that Malik needs to answer. Those are questions that coaches need to answer. And Malik, from all I've heard, I haven't had an opportunity to talk to him, but like has aced that. And it's a big reason why he's the favorite to be the first quarterback off the board. And when you ace that and check that box, it can help you like solidify a lot of your status. Whereas like, you know, a name that comes to mind is like Ja'Kai Polite. Ja'Kai Polite just like completely botches the interview process, does not handle like the combine, you know, condom, combine podium well. <laughs> and, it, and ultimately, it ultimately ends up like pushing it down a lot further. And now he's not even in the league, right? So it can be, it can be a, the difference between being on a team sport and off a team sport for sure. Yeah, I, I just find all that stuff just kind of crazy. Obviously, the hard-hitting questions, the weird-ass questions where yeah, – or they're like <laughs> bringing up crazy stuff that's from like when they were seven years old, like – all that stuff's nuts, but um, you know, that's where I do think a guy like Aiden Hutchinson just probably blows people away because of the robot factor, the, the perfection yeah. factor. Right. And I so think a lot of it too is like for these teams drafting at the top, like Jacksonville is coming out of a culture disaster, like, right. like a legitimate disaster. You have uh, Houston Texans in desperate need of a new face of the franchise. You go to the giants who just recently fired a, like you're thinking about that when you're a GM, right. You're thinking about, okay, can this guy come in and like sell some freaking jerseys and stick right. around and build something. And I, I think that's why, you know, two of my favorite landing spots for Aiden is Detroit and New York, the New York jets, because Detroit, they're already building something phenomenal. And I think he's just like a, you know, I was talking to someone else today, I think it was locked on lions or something. And, you know, they asked me, you know, what do you think of what Dan Campbell has done? And Dan Campbell has what not a lot of losing teams have in the NFL and it's buy-in and you don't, you don't get, sometimes the only way you can get buy-in is through winning. And he's somehow developed it by not like still not winning a lot of games. And uh, I think there's, it's very similar with Robert Sala. Like those two coaches have buy-in despite being like bottom feeder pro you know, programs, bottom fielder, bottom feeder teams in the NFL. Um, so I do think a good landing spot for him is definitely Detroit, New York. I think it's ultimately going to be Jacksonville. I, I lean where the betting markets lean right now, you know, minus 200 that he's a Jacksonville Jaguar, but I think anywhere he goes in that top five, I think he's going to be a culture setter for sure. I would kill for some Dan Campbell and Aiden Hutchinson content. Yes. Like, oh my just, God. just those guys talking football, just being football guys would be incredible. Cause I think Dan Campbell's crazier than, than Aiden. I, I just, <laughs> I, I love the, you know, the idea of those two guys. Obviously, I'm a Lions fan, too, so that helps that bias as well. Um, what I was wondering, too, if, if you got to hear a 
a great story from him just from this past year, hmm. from this past season, obviously accomplishing just about everything you could possibly want in your senior season when you're coming back. You know, there were so many big moments of that season for Michigan, with whether it was the Penn State game, the, uh, you know, the Michigan State loss or the Ohio State game, the Big Ten championship. What was there something that stood out to you that you were like, holy shit, that's a great story from Aiden? There's a handful. And even going back to 2020, one of my favorite parts of the podcast is Aiden breaks his ankle. And, um, you know, he's like, he's hurting, but it, he's got a lot of adrenaline, so he doesn't really feel it or whatever. And then in, the first thing Harbaugh comes up to him, he knows it's in serious pain. And Harbaugh's like, did you tape your ankles? And Aiden's like, no. And then Harbaugh just like walks away. <laughs> like Harbaugh's just like trying to find an opportunity like to teach him and like a learning moment oh, or whatever. Man. And then this season, I don't think we did enough <clears throat> hindsight, like included enough of just like the workout lore like some of the stories from like David yeah. Ajabo about like the workout stuff is like insane. Like Ajabo you know, credits Aiden to a lot of like his work ethic. So Ajabo, you know, Aiden would come in, who's like objectively like 20 pounds heavier than Ajabo. And he would say, race me, like race me in this drill and this drill. And like every single time Aiden would win, he'd say, let's go again. And every time Ajabo win, Aiden would say, let's go again. Like he was like, Ajabo is, got more explosiveness and we didn't get to see that. And we got, we didn't get to see that as much as we could with the pro injury and all that stuff, but like he's more explosive and he's a little bit lighter, but Aiden's beating him in a lot of these things. And job was like, I don't know what to do. Like he's, <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's, he's running faster three cones and like defensive backs at Michigan. And then you have the story of, I think Andre Anthony is in his workout group and Andre's like, I don't need, I don't even want to get near him. Cause the guy's just like throwing around weight. Like no one's ever <laughs> done before. Like he is, He's a very determined human being. And also just like, I mean, you, you guys have probably heard like the ring me out story where he goes in and you know, coach Ben Herber is, it's just him and Aiden in the workout room. And Aiden says this year, coach, I know I'm coming back. I know I'm a senior. I'm a leader on this team, but like, I need you to ring me out and give me the best, get the best out of me every single day. Like treat me just like you treat everybody else. And he's like, absolutely. And that obviously becomes a bigger story once like Harbaugh finds out and stuff, but it's like 100% true. Like, Herbert told me they measure like 41 different key performance indicators, like KPIs or whatever that like, is like ankle flexion, right knee bend, all this stuff. And he's been like the top guy over the last two years, not, all because of this God-given talent and size that he has, but just because he's maximized his potential. And, like, he's a, the classic, like, set goals, achieve goals guy. Like, every single day he's writing down what he wants to do the next day and what he wants to do in a year's time. And um, I think when you have that, like, mind-body connection, it just leads to some absurd results. What do you think that uh, having a guy like that in a locker room for Michigan specifically – a, a how do you how do you replace something like that how do you even begin to but b how does that have a lasting effect on a program that you know lasts more than more than four or five years or whatever that he's there i think a lot of it is his mentality specifically this past season right you know i think josh harris told me the best when he said the teams that are the best in college football is when their most talented players also work the hardest. And that's what like yields to a lot of the results. And Aiden worked the hardest. Ajaba worked so hard. Josh Harris worked hard. Blake Corum and Cade Mack. Like they had like their leaders, not just really good football players, but they were also the first people there and the last people to leave. And I think that combination of being really talented, being really hardworking and also doubted, like no preseason expectations, right? No one thought Aiden was going to be yep. this top overall pick and all that stuff. When you doubt a group of people, or especially led by Jim Harbaugh, that have all this talent, have all this like hardworking ethic with like legitimate leaders on the team, it just is this culmination of a lot of success. And 
a lot of it's resiliency too. You look at Aiden coming back from that injury. Like there's a lot of people that would just sink. He was planning to go to the draft. Like after the 2020 season, he was going to go to the draft. He was not going to come back to Michigan, maybe never beat Ohio State. But he gets hurt and his dad told me in like a span of like 24 to 48 hours, he's immediately like, I'm rehabbing and I'm coming back to Michigan and I'm beating Ohio State. Like literally 48 hours after breaking his ankle. Like to have that like bounce back ability is insane. And that shows up after the Michigan staking. He led a players only meeting where he told everybody we can still do whatever we need to do. What, what we came here to do. And that's beat Ohio state. We just got to get back on the wagon here. Let, let's get back. Like, let's just bounce back. And Indiana obviously gets like absolutely ruined after that week and all that stuff. So I do think that Aiden showed a lot, even though it, you know, we can be transparent. He has not had a lot, a lot of adversity compared to some other players, right? right. I mean, he's had the broken ankle and, and obviously the Michigan state game, but there are other players that face more adversity early on in their careers, but he definitely has like to the little adversity he's had throughout his career. He's definitely responded really, really well. And that is rare to see. What, uh, what about Harbaugh? You, you got to talk to him a little bit. What's your, I mean, we always love Harbaugh content, no matter yeah. what. Uh, and I know that it's like I we've asked a bunch of players and and a lot of them are like he's normal around us like he's mm-hmm. a football guy but there's like this media part that is just like that he's the this crazy person what was your uh, what what was your feel of Harbaugh it's a good question and I've talked to a decent amount of head coaches in college football and that's another shout out to our our, our director of communications David Savaro who's been a big push on like us talking to more college players and college coaches I think he reminds me of all the coaches I've talked to he reminds me the most of PJ Fleck like he's got a lot of fleck energy in that like in front of the cameras in the recruiting trail, he is a salesman and like a damn good one, like yeah. a damn good salesman. He is a guy that will tell you the best decision of your life is coming to Michigan and he'll wear that on his sleeve and he believes it. That's like right. the, you know, the best salesman believe it and he believes it. And then I do think you know, talk to Aiden He's all football when he's not, you know, like he's ripping chaws on the sideline. He's like all like when he, <laughs> he doesn't need to, you know, turn it on for recruits and turn it on for media. He's 100% locked in, like building, building out the best game plan and like really maturing the team. Right. I mean, it's a big reason why he had success in the NFL. I do think that he gets wrongfully kind of like wrongfully pushed down a bit in, in, in college football coaching ranks. Cause he hasn't won a lot of the rivalry games and he's shown up late, you know, shown, gone short against some of the Ohio state wins and all that stuff. But I, I put that more on like the inability to, land and develop a quarterback than anything right it's you know quarterback and the big 10 they've done so much and won so many games they just haven't been able to beat a lot of the teams that in a lot of the times have the better quarterback and it's such a quarterback league at the nfl and college football level that now that they have Cade mcnamara who showed some things and obviously i know there's a lot of excitement in the building for jj mccarthy like these have to be the step like you go back to all these quarterbacks michigan's had over the course of the hardball tenure like O'Corn and, and Shea Patterson like there's just hasn't been like the guy and Ohio State on the other hand has had a lot of really talented college football quarterbacks and they've obviously won one out uh, over the last 10 years I mean with when you're looking at that quarterback room like you said with Cade a lot of excitement about JJ uh can't forget about our guy Davis Warren who had an incredible spring game um do you think Michigan when do you think Michigan takes that next step where they I guess win a college football playoff game yeah it's more, it's, it's more or less when do they, the, the battle for them is beating Ohio state in the quarterback rivalry. Like they're not like CJ Stroud's the favorite one, the Heisman this year, because he's right. damn good. And he's going to be a top five considered player in the NFL draft because like you, you're not going to win a college football playoff until like you have that like definitive lead at that position. Cause like they recruit really, really well 
and I think develop really, really well elsewhere, right? That defensive line has been a legitimate factory with Quiddy Pay and Rashawn Gary, Josh Uchi, um, mm-hmm. Chase Winovich, now Aiden, now Ajabo. And like you look at the cornerback room too, they have a lot of talent in the secondary. Daxon Hill, I think, is going to be a first round pick. Offensively, the offensive line won the Jor Moore Award winner. If Ronnie Bell doesn't right. get hurt, I think they win some more games. Like, like again, they do a really good job of recruiting. That's been never like, but they're just a second behind Ohio State. And as long as Ohio State kind of has that grip on them, and obviously they didn't have it last year, which is a huge win. But like, as long as Ohio State has the better quarterback, it's just going to be that much more difficult for them to win consistently, you know, the Big Ten and win consistently deep in the you know college football playoff. I think what I we think... need to do is try to set up a bogus NIL deal with CJ Stroud somehow. There you go. Get him in, you go. Get him in okay. trouble. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> we can do some behind the back deals there. For yeah. Him. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that it's just, uh, you know, it, it was the hump, like half of it was just the hump of getting over that. Right. It was like the mental thing, too. So it was interesting. But having Hutchinson there and just like and it, it, it just changed everything. So that's where, you know, I, I think you're looking for you almost like can't look for the exact same thing as Hutchinson because it doesn't exist anywhere. Yeah. But like trying to replace that type of a thing. But Either way, we're we're super excited to to watch him go to the next level, and I think that I mean I'm gonna get his jersey no matter where he goes, whether it's the Lions or or whatever. But um, I think you know what I I want to know like what can we expect out of Aiden Hutchinson as a rookie in the NFL? Do you think he comes onto the scene as you know a possible star, or will it take a couple years? So I don't. So it'd be I'd be really hard. I'd be really hard pressed to see it take some time. Cause I think what Aiden is right now is exactly what he's going to be in like 10 years too. Like, he's like, just like, I, I don't think it's going to take him time to develop, you know, like legitimate ability in the NFL. Like, I don't think it's like an upward trajectory type of thing. I think he's as good as he's, he's not as good as he's going to get, but he's really good right now. And I think you're going to see that pretty immediately. Um, and it also depends on where he goes, right? He goes to Jacksonville. You have some, some concerns about the secondary, but he's ro- rushing opposite of Josh Allen, which should help him like see more one-on-ones and stuff like that. He goes to Detroit. Like I really like the Aquara brothers. Like maybe there's some opportunity to get like some one-on-ones there. Then you get like close. He goes to Houston. And it's like, they don't have a lot there. Like, you're going to be like the only guy on that defense. That's really, you know, it's good. It depends on the situation. That's like specifically for sack production. I think right out of the gate, He's going to grade really well at pro, according to Pro Football Focus from a run defense standpoint. I think it could take some time to grade well as a pass rusher. Like, I think the arm length stuff will show up a bit. And, like, offensive tackles in the NFL, like, prepare for that, right? When you go against a five-year, ten, you know, six-year veteran, they're going to see that on tape and try and, like, you know, of, you know make you go through them and, and attack half the man and all that kind of stuff. But it's not something that he can't overcome. Like, he's overcome that on his tape before. Like, you know, he kind of reminds me of, um, in some ways, Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams coming out of Alabama – had short arms. Everyone talks about, should you play guard? Should you play guard? You talk so much about how you overcome like that obvious deficiency and it's working your hands better, having better feet. And you, you know, you look at Aiden, he's got some of the best pass rushing technique in the NFL. I mean, in, in college football this past year, he's got the best in the draft and his run defense is really, really stout. He's a high energy player. He's going to get a lot of cleanup sacks. Like I would not be surprised if he's already like a high end starter out of the gate. Is he going to like go for like 16 sacks? Probably not, but I could see him like 100% finishing in like the eight plus sack range as a rookie. You think he I has mean, a chance I, to win rookie of the year? Defensive rookie of the year, sure. Not yeah. maybe not. I know they don't give it to defensive players a ton, but like defensive rookie of the year, I think I saw the odds at like plus six hundred. I, okay. I I think like 
it'll be one of the pass rushers just because it's such you know it's such a pass rusher winning award like mm-hmm. yeah. the defensive player of the year is pretty much who won who led the team led the nfl in sacks every year but i think for him it'll be between thibodeau walker and hutchinson just given draft position and also like you know it's a it's a it's a stat award right it's definitely mm-hmm. one where like the traditional box score stats like sacks and tackles for loss could carry it and a popularity award a little exactly bit. oh 100 <laughs> so yeah um well we appreciate you coming on man um i the next time we talk what i want to talk about is when you're talking about like ankle flexion and all that shit how much of that is like real or it's like absolute bullshit where it's like he's just a fucking football player like you know it's a yeah it's it's funny i think it can be real i think it can be also pretty buzzwordy too like yeah. i think the more buzzwordy stuff is like trying to think like plays with like pants and his you know sand in his pants and shit like that it's more like (laughs) more like ankle flexion matters to bending the edge and getting sacks like finishing plays you know i was talking to alex highsmith who is a place for the steelers was drafted out of charlotte and he says the reason you know teams covet bend you know that's specifically the three cone drill the short shuttle and like they look at things like the hoop drill and those types of things is because you can get pressure without bend but you can't close the corner without like legitimate ankle flexion, legitimate bend around the corner. Cause like, you know, that's how, you know, quarterbacks just step up in the pocket, right? If you can't like bend that edge, it's going to be very difficult to finish plays. Can you still create pressure? Absolutely. It would be, you'd be a havoc monster by like just blowing through guys, but not being able to bend the corner. So like, that's why when you talk about the Bosa's and why they were different is they just have really, really natural bend and natural ankle flexion that allows for them to finish plays at a higher rate, in addition to being like super explosive and all this type of stuff. So I think specifically with edge rushers, it's gotten to a point where it's really specific with what has success in the NFL and what doesn't, right? Arm length, massively important. Ankle flexion and bend, massively important. Explosiveness, massively important. And he has a handful of those things um, that obviously leads to like high end pass rushing production. Well, there will be a lot more of that talk because um, there's a lot more Michigan guys that are about to be draft eligible this next year. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. Um, but uh, plug the uh, plug the Hutch podcast one more time here. It was awesome to listen to uh, yourself, uh, talk to him and his family and everybody else. But yeah, you can find it on PFF, uh, the uh, your podcast network, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you can check check out Hotch. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. It's a part of PFF Podcast Network. It's also on PFF's YouTube channel if you want to check it out there. I also host another podcast. It's called Tailgate with my uh, lead draft analyst, Mike Renner. You can check that out as we enter the draft. But I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. And it's, uh, what is it, Austin Gale PFF on Twitter too? Yeah, PFF underscore Austin Gale on Twitter. There you go. We appreciate you. Thanks for uh, coming by. Thanks again.